Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this edition of Mind Interviews. Um, today, we're very happy to do a Mind Interview with uh, a Houstonian, as we say. Normally, we'll, we'll be doing those over the phones and stuff like that. Very rarely do Sunanda and I get a chance to interview someone in person. So we're feeling it's, it's a double sort of um, bonanza for you guys this weekend. So uh, together today with us is Congressman Pete Olson. He's the U.S. Representative for Texas's 22nd Congressional District. This covers parts of uh, Houston, majorly Southwest Houston, uh, which includes parts of Katy, Pearland, and Sugarland. Um, he's been the congressman uh, for the 22nd district from 2009. Uh, has been in uh, Houstonian since the 70s, Congressman. Yes, if sir, I'm... 1972. Boy, <laughs> so more than 40 years in Houston. Uh, he's um, he was in the U.S. Navy, uh, served um, there, and he was then uh, worked with the John Cornyn from uh, 2002 to 2007. Yes, sir. So uh, great to have you with us on uh, the Mind Interviews, Congressman. Thank you so much. It's a true honor to gather with you this morning to talk about the upcoming elections. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. So I, I have to start, since you mentioned the election, after a decade of representing District 22, it's almost going to be 10 years this January. Um, what are the major issues you think that the voters are focused on this election? Well, first of all, it's been a true honor and humbling that for 10 years I've been the voice and vote for the people of Texas 22 in Washington, D.C., now, the issues are pretty much the same over that decade. Uh, they're basically four. People want security. That means a strong military to protect from terrorism, to protect from rogue nations with nuclear weapons. They also want security in their homes. That mostly means criminal gangs like ISIS. The other thing they want, the second thing, is they want a healthcare system that works, not the current broken one. Mm -hmm. They love the promises of Obamacare. Better care, lower costs, keep your doctor. All three have been broken. They feel betrayed. They want a system that works for their families and gets them healthier at a lower cost, mm -hmm. and they can keep their doctor. Uh, the third thing they want is they want an immigration system that actually works for America. Um, part of that is having some control of the southern border to prevent the gangs from coming across with drugs and human trafficking. But the most thing they want over and over and over, the strongest thing for these 10 years, is they want a strong, growing economy for their kids and grandkids, a bright future. And that's happening right now, and I'm proud to be part of the turnaround of this country the last two years. The economy is actually doing very well. The jobs report is also, you know, Yeah, yesterday I think there was the GDP report, GDP which was, was quite pretty encouraging. encouraging. But, so. but just one thing I wanted to uh, kind of follow up on that question uh, before I get Sananda for the second question. Um, do you think that this election is more like I would say with like people, the voters, local voters are focusing on national issues more than the local ones? Or you think it's a mix of both? What do you I think? I think it is more great perception. I think it's more national. Uh, really? People are starting to see, you know, our economy is not just America now. We're tied in the global economy. And the mm -hmm. fact that we're out there, lower tax right now, the corporate tax rates, the lowest ever been in like 50 years. Mm -hmm. We can't compete overseas now. We're not handicapped. People love that. They love the fact that for groups that have had tough time finding jobs, mm -hmm. Hispanic Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, lowest unemployment rate ever. And like you mentioned, they love the jobs numbers, GDP growing at about 4.2%, above 3.5%. They remember eight years of anemic growth under President Obama, and they're excited that America's 
back, so to speak. Make America great again, as someone in my party would say. <laughs> okay. Um, you started answering the first question when we talked about the issues. You, number one, you said security. Yeah. And you may, you you know, sort of pointed out it's a big thing for me also as a mother, as a resident here, and as a global citizen. Security is the most important thing. Do you think America's policy vis-a-vis -vis Islamic terrorism has changed since 2016? The policy hasn't changed. Really ramped up after 9/11 under President George uh, W. Bush's administration, and his policy is real simple: find them, hunt them down, capture them, or kill them if necessary. President Obama had that same sort of policy, but the way he went about doing it was just not right. It was leading from behind. We saw what happened. ISIS flared up. We had them on the run. They came back to life because we were leading from behind. President Trump has taken the mantra to make America secure. ISIS is now on the run. North Korea is actually talking peace with South Korea. Huge development. Yes. Russia is losing their market because of American energy. All these good things are happening because Donald Trump is leading and using America's position as the world's leader to make this happen. And how about a great ally called India? Yes. <laughs> so so yeah. we're going to talk about India in the next part of the interview. We, the first part, we want to talk majorly about the election, and then we're going to okay. talk in the later questions. So one of the uh, one of the things that a lot we have a sizable Indo-American audience that listens to our podcast. <laughs> I wish we were doing a video recording shocking, of this. Shocking. <laughs> Uh, but, but, and who also happen to be uh, your constituents oh, yeah. here. My so, bosses, I call them my bosses. <laughs> <laughs> so they would be interested in knowing your views on the Indo-American relations, which you talked about, and, you know, the future of the relations, which we'll, we'll talk a little later. But basically, why, why do you think, like, if I were to ask you, why would they vote for you over the other nominee currently, or the Democratic nominee, Sri Preston Kilkerney. Libby, simply that I've worked so hard these 10 years to make our countries closer and stronger. When the cold, when the war came down in Berlin, the wall came down between India and America. That happened because during the Cold War, by geography, we sided with Pakistan. By making that decision, we were aligned with them and forced India not to ally directly, but to depend on Russia, the Soviet Union, for their mm -hmm. military equipment. The wall comes down, all of a sudden we wake up and say, oh my gosh, there's a great nation over there, a British colony like us, the same rule of law, same language, same values, you know, faith, security. And things started booming. Since that time, I'm so proud to be part of this turnaround. Where right now, our biggest ally in the world is India. In fact, I met the man many times. His name is Prime Minister Modi. <laughs> he said a great thing, and it's my words about India and America. If we work together and keep growing together, these two countries, America and India, can be the defining partnership for the 21st century. We can show the world how this world should work, and we're taking those first steps right now. And that has already happened, if you know. We're not technically allies in the sense America sees allies as the way America counts allies, but uh, United States has gone all out with two plus two dialogue that just happened yep, yep. in yep. Delhi, and that is a 
favor or a privilege granted only to allies. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, there yeah. have been other, I mean, we do um, defense exercises together now. And now the biggest thing is that we are also um, collaborating on intelligence. Yeah, yeah. That was never happened before. Military co-exercises, intelligence cooperation. Again, we had our 9-11, you had your 26. Yeah. 11. 11. And we've suffered terrorism. We have got that common bond. We're cooperating there. Also, how about medicine? All these MD Anderson Cancer Center, our right. big star cancer center, is overseas in Mumbai right now. Yeah. With the hospital up there showing people of India how they can beat cancer. That's happening. Energy trade, uh, trade, high-tech trade. It's just going back and forth. We're becoming stronger. One thing, too, I'm proud of being a military guy. It's kind of odd, but... The iconic world's fighter aircraft, the F-16 Falcon, been built since the 1970s in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> Guess where it's being built right now? It's moving to India. Oh, Every wow. F-16 in the future will be built in India. That's a NATO plane. That's an American fighter. Right down Elton Field, F-16s. Yeah. And we're so good with data. Trust them so much. You build these planes. Get more close to us. Get rid of that Soviet area era aircraft, mm -hmm. and let's come closer and closer together as yeah, true absolutely. true allies. India has already started with getting rid of the planning commission. Yeah, <laughs> it used to exist for God the knows Soviet how long. The Soviet relic that so, it was. Yes. Yeah. But so so now that you you I guess wanted to ask about the election. Yes, stuff. I yes. wanted to ask one thing. I. Um, as a political commentator, I've been watching this election very closely. And one thing that comes to my mind is that do you think Democrats are really moving further left? And what is the choice in front of Americans when the middle ground just seems to be vanishing? Yeah, I do think they're moving left. And they don't realize that the country is a center-right country. Yeah. We was mentioned most Americans want a strong defense, a booming economy, control of our borders. Health care that actually works with cheaper prices, better care, keep your doctor. So this is not Bill Clinton. No, no. Um, democ and, you know, most Americans, either. I say, center right because on the center issues, uh, issues like abortion are kind of more in the center. The Democrats are moving way, way, way left. In fact, my opponent wants to repeal those amazing tax cuts that had this rolling. I and mean, again, I'm not sure why he wants to get rid of them, but his Indian Americans had the lowest unemployment rate ever because of those cuts. Why mess with that? Why? It's because his party just got so far left that they don't, they want that money to be, and this is with, with the election, it's always been the Democrats believe that your prosperity depends on their control. Mm -hmm. Guys in D.C. or gals control your prosperity. My party, Republicans, think you control your prosperity. And that's the battle we're having right now between Mr. Shree and myself. Yeah. And again, he wants more control. He wants Medicare for all, which will bankrupt Medicare. He wants open borders. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's not American values, really, because as we were already talking about, and I'm just you know a chronicler of uh, things as I see myself, I, and you rightly said that um, America is center-right, I mean, yeah. on most issues. So this just seems, and you know, not believing in entrepreneurship, not believing in having your own, uh, you know, your own money and you should be responsible for it. It just seems to me that the middle ground is completely vanishing. It's right, fade away quickly. And the Democrats are pushing them down hard. They, again, their main weapon for power is dependency. Yes. Having people dependent on the bureaucrats in DC to give them whatever. And uh, 
My party doesn't believe that. We trust the people. The first words of the Constitution are, are Declaration, we the, we the people. We believe that, that we the government. <laughs> so what happens to the middle ground voters, the you know people who would vote Democrat and are not completely in tune with this new Democrat party? What well, happens to them? Do they stay home or have you been able to convince them to vote for you? We're working to get them out there. And that's our party's challenge is to make sure they realize that this all this booming economy is not just something that came out of the sky. Mm -hmm. It was worked hard on by a Republican Congress controlling the House, the Senate, and a man in the White House who's a businessman who's actually done a payroll, who's actually knows how regulations can hurt, who knows how high taxes can hurt, who knows that I could not go overseas because our tax rate was so high. Money was fleeing this country. And after these tax cuts, one great thing has happened, guys here in America were looking to go overseas and say, whoa, I can stay here now. I can stay home and grow my business. Guys who went overseas are going, hmm, maybe it's time to go back home. Uh, we can bring our money back home and not be taxed on it. And overseas guys are looking, hey, I may go to America. Their tax rates low, their legal system is very sound. I don't have to worry about a government takeover of my my business. We're having a great boom here. But, and on your own party side, the Republican Party in Sugarland or something, like I would say, are you seeing an expanding base of the people who voted for you last time? Or are you is there like a significant challenge wooing the same people who might have voted for you two years back to come again and stuff? The challenge is, as I said, is making sure people know this is not just some fluke. The SAR didn't just align one night and say, oh, America, you're going to be booming again. This was hard work with a new administration and new Republican Congress to get this economy turned around. I mean, people here, I hear over and over, the Obama economy, Alyssa's 2.2, 2.0 GPA increase, or GDP increase every year was anemic. We need to turn this thing loose. We've done that. And so what the people want, we have to get the best out there. Again, this happened because you trusted conservatives to control D.C. If you want this to go back what it was the last eight years before <laughs> President Trump came to the office, then vote for the Democrats. If you don't, get out and vote for Republicans or conservatives. Interesting. 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 So, um, I, so now I want to talk a little bit about the, the U.S.-India relationship that you had alluded to. Uh, what are your views about the growing business between the state of Texas and India? And I, I'm, I'm specifically mentioning state of Texas and India, not U.S. and India. We'll talk about you. Because I see there is an increased sort of business on the oil and gas side and the defense yeah, side, yeah. like you mentioned. And where do you see this going in the next five, ten years? It's out of control, <laughs> and that's a great thing. I mean, uh, for example, one thing I've known uh, from the people of India, mm -hmm. one of their constraints to growth is energy. Yes. They have no fossil fuels. Oh. That's fuels for trains, trucks, airplanes, things that actually get dirt turning, growing mm -hmm. economy. They got lots of coal for power, but coal is rather dirty compared to natural gas or nuclear power. Our country a couple years ago stepped up and gave them nuclear power, but right now since lifting a ban on crude oil and exporting liquefied natural gas, India is awash, literally, in American energy. And that's a great, great thing. We're closer and closer. Ours is cheaper than the energy we get before from Russia and OPEC. It's dependable. For example, we signed a contract company called Schneer here, first guys to actually export LNG with a company there in India, company, private sector, 20 years of natural gas going from America to India. That's jobs in America, that's jobs in India, that's cleaner air 
in India. I know Prime Minister Modi, I talked to him many times. He said, um, Pete, natural gas is the present. Renewables are the future. We are helping them with the present and help them to transition to renewables. Again, the contract we signed was 14.4 million metric tons of natural gas over 20 years. And that has never happened before. This is the first time. It's first time it's happened. It happened. It's delivery started last summer. And since the, we lifted the ban of crude exports, over 2 billion barrels of oil, American light crude, have gone to India. And so that's a great development for these two allies. Even 10 years ago, you would not believe anybody would say that, you know, crude will come from America to India. People did not believe that. So this is, this is um, a they, game changer. They made a very, this Mr. A Modi, changer. our council general here, made a very important pitch. They say, we have to have your energy, okay? We're landlocked. To get something from a pipeline like oil or natural gas from the West through Pakistan, Iran, not happening. <laughs> And now I see all the um, representatives of Indian oil and gas companies here in Houston yeah, all yeah. the time. Which you know, begs about. the question, why the heck were they not here earlier? Yeah. I mean, Houston's the oil capital of the world. That's just because that our alliance with Pakistan, the Cold War, that sort of put this yeah. cold blanket. We weren't enemies, but yeah. we, weren't, we weren't friends either. Just kind of, okay, she's out there. She's not friend. She's not foe. But... These guys are our buddies there. They got a border with Russia, the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. So we piled up. As I mentioned, we found out they'd hid the guy who killed 3,000 Americans mm -hmm. for 10 years. Okay, big mistake. Yeah, I think for a long time, uh, American commentators or foreign policy experts felt that Pakistan is very important for its what they called strategic geography, for yeah, its yeah, geography. Yeah, 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 yeah. More than anything else, it was the geography that was important. So it's not necessarily, I think, that there was any overt kind of love or anything. But okay. because of their geography, they felt that, oh, but we have to be yeah, together yeah, with yeah. them. I think that sense is sort of changing now yeah, and absolutely. thinking that, you know, history cannot override geography. Yeah, yeah. And we also get after 9-11, we saw, okay, you guys harbored the Osama bin Laden for 10 years. You had no way to say, there's no way you knew the most wanted man in the world was in your country. You couldn't say, I didn't know that. It's like, you knew it. You hit him up there, we got him, and uh, that proved this to the American people. In hindsight, big mistake to get so close to Pakistan in the 1940s. Well, not just that, he was so close to the military establishment yes. location. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard like the West Point of Pakistan was yes. there, all these generals around there. These are guys seasoned about military operations. Yeah. They know a house with high walls, no windows, yeah. the trash is take, not taken out ever. It's like, okay, there's something trying something. to hide there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the, in the next part, I guess we'll talk a little bit more and we'll talk about the final questions on the election and stuff. So welcome back, folks. Uh, I'm sure you're all still tuned in. If you're just tuning in, that's a great choice. <laughs> so um, the best, the best, the best, the best. Absolutely, <laughs> I didn't want to praise ourselves so much, <laughs> but no, it's it's been a great conversation. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the economy. So th this week has almost been a little dichotomous for the U.S. economy. If you just look at it from the perspective of the stock market and the tech sector, as, especially. So you had strong GDP numbers on the other side, but the housing numbers took a little bit of a hit for the years and because of the rising interest rates and then you had um, the tech, tech stocks taking a little bit of bid and tech Tech, uh, tech companies posting mixed earnings, so to speak. And the president also sort of had uh, run in with the Federal Reserve about the interest rates and so forth. So what is your position on 
that, uh, considering it's been such a volatile week for the U.S. economy? Well, basically, that's a free market. Yeah. It can be very volatile sometimes, but overall, it straightens itself out, mm-hmm. and you have a climb after climb after climb. Right. I mean, one of my people, Mr. Trump was elected for his first year in office, the market exploded. Mm-hmm. And that happened without him doing anything. Mm-hmm. His big promise, fix the health care bill, crash and burn. The tax cuts were a couple months away. Yet because of businessman, God done a payroll, knows about bad regulations and bad taxes, was in the White House, the whole market exploded. Now there'll be some selling, but the bottom line is, for example, you have a 401k over time, that'll have more money than would have had two years ago. Mm-hmm. Because the market's way up here, it's come down some, and that's just so how you're the just thinking it's a correction, basically. Yep, 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 and, yes. and it is going to poise to rise a lot. Yeah, interest rates were so low. I'm sorry, interest rates were so low. At some point, they had to go up a little yeah. bit. There's just no way they could say almost zero. Just okay, that got us through the recession, but sometime we have to turn the free market loose. We're doing that, yeah. but again, it's just a hiccup. That's it's okay. it's not this big swallowing up hole that's going to yeah. put us in a recession yeah. or depression. Yeah. Well, from sublime to mundane, although it depends on our listeners what they call sublime and what is mundane. <laughs> but I want to ask you this. What do you love most about your job as a congressman? Uh, oh, very well, honest. I don't want a politician's Working answer. for the most diverse district in America, I tell people if John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, George Washington, come back to America today in the 2018, go all over the country, the entire country, and say, our vision for this country, if it's one county in the whole America, which county would it be? Which congressional district? It'd be Fort Bend County and Texas 22, the most diverse district in America. And I'm so proud to be their voice and vote in Congress for a decade now. What makes this place so special is we have different faiths, go to different churches, have different traditions, values, but we great live in schools. Great schools, but we live together. Like in the East Coast, you have the Indian neighborhood, the Pakistani neighborhood, the Italian neighborhood. You know, all these neighborhoods here, it's all their mix. There's no ghettoization, which is exactly wonderful. nothing. It's just we're citizens. We love yeah. America. Go to different churches, maybe different rituals, different vacations. And that makes this place so special where I get to brag in D.C. about my home district of Texas. You can't imagine how many people, when there's, I tell them the most diverse county in America, no, no, no. Texas? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, big boys. By the way, Houston, the most diverse big city in America. Bye-bye, New York. <laughs> Bye-bye, L.A., San Francisco, Atlanta, yeah. Chicago. We're number one. Well, talking about rituals, our, a lot of our female listeners, they've sent us questions. They want to know where about your sartorial choices. They want to know where do you get all your kurtas from? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Indian people are so giving. As a congressman, I get gifts all the time. And uh, one was from a big wedding. What they've learned about Indian weddings, they don't go for... An hour, a couple hours, they go for days. I mean, days and days and days. And you see the sun go down, you see the sun come up. The wedding is still on. The wait, and what, again, what makes this place so special, No, most people don't have this. Had a wedding a couple years ago. I'm driving down to Fort Bend County, my home city of Sugarland, a street called Palm Royale. And uh, I passed this house, house owned by a big Indo-American. This is an elephant. <laughs> this front yard, all decked out, yeah. and his daughter's getting married. And apparently, the daughter rides in on an elephant. <laughs> I have an elephant <laughs> by my house. That is so cool. 
And just, they're just such great people. The wedding, the, it was just such a celebration. Just went yeah. on and Osler to get the great thing about Indo-Americans. It's all about family. Yes. And I've heard that some relatives come over for a wedding from India and you say, I've got you the best five-star hotel, the suite, all of Houston. That's a massive insult. You have to stay at their home. Yes, it is. It is. And the friend that when I talked about said he didn't sleep the night before. He got up early because, you know, he was going to participate in the wedding. He said, I had to weave around people. Just 50 people were sleeping in my house. He said, but that I think that's great. <laughs> step over here. Step over here. Not over there. Come up. Yeah. No, when you talk about the diversity of the district, you just got to tell those congressmen in D.C. to come and try the food here. Oh, yeah. Yes. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you want in Sugar Land? You'll get it. And I don't know if this is popular, Bob bragging about it. You want Indo-American food right across the <laughs> office here, maybe 100 yards away, Madras Pavilion. The <laughs> best. At least Texas, maybe all of America. Very good. For our younger listeners, we do have some high school listeners and um, um, kids who are going to college. Why should young people join politics in today's cynical world? Well, because that's your voice in our government. If you don't choose to vote and get involved in politics, uh, you basically said, I want other people to determine my future, where we're going to go as a nation, how close we'll get to India, how much we'll build up our military, how much we'll control our borders, what we'll do with health care. If you don't vote, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can speak freely, but don't complain. Absolutely. Well, and another question a lot of younger people have, too, about education and stuff, that they, they believe, that some of them believe that, oh, the system is unfair to them or something. So is do you believe that's the case, or do you think it, we just it's fair, we just need to make it a little better or something, the education system? I think it's overall pretty fair. I mean, okay. here at Fort Bend, our public schools here at Fort Bend are great, great schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas is a... I was talking more about the university. college students. Yeah, university. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, what we have to do is make sure every kid who wants to go to college can find a spot wow. in the university. But we also have to make sure there's spots in local colleges because mm. there's so many good jobs right now. You don't have to get that BA. You go out there and learn how to weld or drive a truck. With the oil and gas boom, pipeline boom, all this stuff. These people can make $100,000 a year after five years out of going out of high school, basically. And one thing I'm proud of this district, it's happened in Alvin and Manville. They piled up, paired up with a local high school, local college. So you graduate from high school, get your high school diploma the same day, get that diploma, walk across the stage, turn background, put on another gown, another cap, walk out, get your, your AA, associate degree from that college. So you're working at 20, making good money. All those guys, guys going off to college, you can mock them because when they come back home four years later with in debt, let's say, I've made $100,000 a year. <laughs> You're in debt, huh? I'm going to get a new house. Every day. we got to make sure kids realize that those options are out there. It's not just a big college. But we have to make sure that there's a way to get them to college with scholarship from the private sector, not from D.C. So before we wrap up, because we talked about it earlier, and you mentioned Prime Minister Modi, we have our, about half our listeners come uh, from India. You, they, they would be very interesting to know, interested to know about your personal equation with him. And I believe you gifted him a hat. I bet the I bet the Prime Minister. Uh, let's see, five times there. His first time was up in New York City, as you mentioned. I got to see him at 2014, that, that was the Madison yeah, Square Garden. Yeah, that, 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 that was a big madness. is right. I mean, I was sitting there watching this. I was pretty close. <laughs> what I loved about the way he spoke is he took charge, had an acrylic little mm-hmm. little easel, little platform there. No notes. Yeah. Nothing. Hour and 20 minutes just from his heart. Awesome, awesome, awesome. 
It's like a campaign rally, too. This man's a leader for government, not this guy running for office. You guys were there probably, what, 20, 30 times? The crowd just started chanting, Modi, Modi, <laughs> Modi. It's like, wow, this man has caught fire there. And I met him that night at the dinner, uh-huh. and I said, I'm going to invite him to Texas. Because I, as I pointed out to him a couple times, I met Prime Minister Modi. Um, you've been to our East Coast. Thank you so much. Up here in New York, be down in, in a D.C., go out to Silicon Valley, the West Coast, California. You're missing one coast, the Gulf Coast. <laughs> and one big diverse city there called Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. with this big port with all this trade with NASA, mm-hmm. the medical center. I probably gave him the cowboy of the promise. If if you come down in late February, early March with this hat, I can get you ride in the opening parade of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. <laughs> I can make you the John Wayne. Of India. <laughs> He'd start laughing just like this. Oh! It didn't happen, though. Uh, the Texas that, visit have, hasn't happened, though. It's in the works, sir. It's, it's in, in the, the works. works. He knows it, too, because I was doing this, yeah. uh, this past March with this Chamber of Commerce event. Yeah. And a colleague from Chicago, Indo-American, we got to meet the Prime Minister for a brief second. Yeah. He was pushing for Chicago. Mm. And the Prime Minister looked at me again a little week and said, sorry, my dear friend. <laughs> Had to take care of Pete in Texas first. So. <laughs> we got to wrap this up and yeah. I'll go back to elections. And early elections, early voting has already started. And I see lines out. People are coming out, yep, which is great. always wonderful. Yep. I want to ask you, how well are you sleeping? These days, I'm sleeping pretty well. I mean, uh, it's a tough race. I'm out there working a lot of polling locations and just all the stuff that goes on with elections. But I, I'm excited what's happening. First of all, I'd say the turnout's huge, and that's important. I tell kids, you know, go to elementary schools, please vote. Yeah. I joined the Navy, put my life on line to defend our country because of that right to vote. So honor, honor all those honor. veterans, this country vote. And I tell them, I don't care if you vote Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, Republican. Well, maybe. But we're but <laughs> it's more important to vote. We're seeing record numbers of turnout. I think that's good for our party. You, you think this is a tougher election than what it was two years ago? Or? Yeah, my opponent's much more viable. I mean, he's not raising money's a big deal. He's been a great fundraiser. And yeah. that's, you know, that's, but Ted Cruz has been raised out dramatically by his opponent. That's yeah. just what's happened all across the country. Yeah. The Democrats, again, want, as I mentioned earlier, they want the tax cuts repealed. They want open borders, no more ICE. Uh, they want more regulations. They want yeah. a weaker defense. And that's what's at stake there. So please vote. And you Have think the wish- top of the ticket, Ted Cruz, that that battle is also in favor, going to be in favor of Republicans? I think so, yes, ma'am. You think so? I think so. If we do our job and let people know this is happening because of what you've put, you put, not plus yes. per se, we yeah. trusted to go in D.C. We kept our mm-hmm. promises. Our economy is booming. Our military is strong. Energy is off the chart. We're making progress on uh, the terrorists. ISIS is on the run. If you like that happening, vote for us. If you don't, vote for them. Well, well, Congressman Olson, good luck on your campaign. It's going to be a tough two weeks ahead. Namaste. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we would uh, love to do a follow-up interview. Love to. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today on Mind Interview. Thank and you so much. Um, to our listeners, this was our interview that we had promised with Congressman Pete Olson. If there are any more questions, I have to tell you this. He has the finest, most polite, 
office people. So if you have any questions, I'm sure we can, you know, pass direct it to them, yeah. pass them on, get answers. I'm sure we haven't been able to answer all your questions. But if there are any, let us know and we can pass it on to their office and we'll get the answers for you. And we hope to see um, yeah. Congressman Olson in January here. Can I threat your listeners to a little threat? Yes. I work for you. Which means the office up there in D.C. is your office. Yes. If you come up there and don't give me the the honor to give you a capital tour, I know my friends here know where you live. will hunt you down. <laughs> Remember, this is your capital, your White House. I work for you. I am your employee. Wonderful words to end on this that on. Note, uh, this is uh, goodbye from me and Sananda. Thank you again, Congressman Olson, You're quite for welcome. Thank joining, you. joining us on my mind interview today.